Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Our childhoods make us who we are. Yeah. Whether whether we follow that path or not, whether it's, you know, on purpose and with conviction to do the opposite or do the same if we have had a good upbringing. I just wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for all the dysfunction and negativity and, you know, some of the happy moments as well that I grew up in. Like, it's just I am wholeheartedly who I am because of those things. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi guys, it's Rach, and welcome to another in our Mastermind series. Mastermind episodes are when we take the best of the best. In six plus years of doing this show, I have gotten to talk to some amazing teachers, leaders, thought makers, actors, writers, just every kind of person you can imagine. And each of them brings their own unique perspective to our conversations. And within those conversations is some of the best advice I've heard in my entire life. So I thought, what if we took single themes? What if we went through all the episodes and got the best of the best on a particular subject? And today we're talking about fear. What do you do when you're in a really hard season and you have massive fear about how to move forward? What do you do when you're struggling with grief or loss or pain or maybe you've gone through a big breakup? What do you do when your career is on the line and if you don't make the next right decision, everything could be done? Fear causes us to make way more 
terrible decisions than it will ever propel us to make great ones. But don't take my word for it. Today, we're going to hear from three really unique perspectives. Actress, Minnie Driver, hip-hop artist, Logic, and billionaire founder of a gajillion different companies, Jesse Itzler. I hope you enjoy this conversation about being less afraid of your fear. My father, who was who was a complicated and amazing dude, he said to me, look, really identify what you're not good at because you know what it is that you're good at. And if you can, find someone to help you to do that. Always. Delegate. Always. And so through sort of lean times and the good times, I would always, I always have somehow found people to come in and, and help me with the stuff that I know I don't know how to do. This whole time feels, it feels transitory and it feels transformational and it mm -hmm. feels like you have to just hang, you have to hang on and you also have to be fluid and, and let go. Cause it's, I feel like all of the extraneous stuff has been cut away, including the people that I realized you were just sort of, just because you always had. And now okay. I'm like, no, I don't have, right. I don't have, I don't, everything leaned down. You know, collectively, we, you know, we can never get everybody to agree on everything, but it's going to, I feel like there's going to be a lot of individuals and uh, who, who want to bring with them the things that they learned or the things that they saw from slowing down, the, the, the way in which their life was changed and molded. And then there are going to be people who, who don't want that, but it's, we're changed by this, like fundamentally, right. whether, whether one acknowledges it or not, whether it goes back to being unconscious or it stays conscious, it's different. We've felt what it's like to be powerless against an invisible foe and how to live, you know, how to live in a new, in a new way around work, around parenting. I mean, Zoom school, I mean, God bless them, but oh my God. God, oh, did you watch your kids like doing Zoom PE? So I mean, terrible, so terrible. I and just not got, just like for them, but also I have a dear friend who is an athletic the, director at a school in LA who taught PE. I know. For I mean, kids ages like kindergarten to fifth, like on a computer, bless, bless them all. It was, no, oh my it, gosh. I mean, really genuinely, like everybody, every, everybody just had to like, I had to figure it out. Like there was something, my mother, my mother was just, you know, and she was, it kind of kills me that the last year of her life was like, was spent a lot alone. But my mother who died at 84, she rode her bike everywhere and all through lockdown. And we spoke every single day and she spoke for an hour with each of her children. And she would bike along the River Thames and she would look on the map. She has this, had this old map and she would find where green space was. And it was always green space that she'd never been to. And she was in, it was incredible. She was in nature all the time and sort of shielded from us physically, but completely with her. And that is exactly what I feel now mm. is she's sort of shielded from me, but she's in, she's in everything. Mm. Oh, it was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with me. Oh, that's all right. It's quite yeah. hard talking about it without sobbing. I'm sure. But, I'm sure. But it's good because, you know, there are, there'll be people listening who are going through this too and who don't know how to navigate grief. And, you know, we all, it's a weird club to be part of. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it comes in so many different forms and so many different ways. And it's this thing that you think you're fine. And then you see something or hear something or smell something and it's an instant and you're back in that space again. Oh, yeah. I mean, the British are not known for their public displays of emotion. And when I've sort of fallen to pieces on the street, it's so extraordinary how people just kind of like, you know, move their scooter around you and like carry their shopping and sort of look away across the street. <laughs> and I'm just standing there boohooing. And it's it's actually quite good. I felt quite invisible, which is which is not usual. So mm-hmm. um but I think but maybe people recognize me and were like, my God, that's a mini driver she's having, having a hysterical crying fit. <laughs> we're gonna let totally, her. We're my God, her. what happened? <laughs> there have always been hard seasons, as I know there have been for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, my life has always been peaks and troughs and I did not navigate it well early. And you throw like getting really famous into that when you're quite young. It's totally sort of mind bending. But yes, as I got older and surfed more literally and figuratively, I really learned to ride it. And I really learned to just go, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about this. This is, this is hard and I have yeah. to be in it. And that whole, you know, that whole Winston Churchill quote of when you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. Um, It's just what you have to do, right? Because what's the, what's the alternative? Yeah. You crawl into bed and we do that. You know, there are those days where you crawl into bed and you don't get out, but then you have to. You have to, especially if you have, if you have kids. Yeah, you you have to. You have to. And I think for yourself, even if you, you know, you don't have children and I, know how desperately you know sad it is to be alone and to be depressed but you that notion of getting up and putting the radio on which is what we do in London because the radio here is awesome you know again my my dad was like my dad suffered from depression and all the way through his life and he he said that just the mere the action of getting up and getting dressed and putting the radio on and eating breakfast. He was like, it was just sort of, you do, you just do small things and you just do them one after another and you kind of, you get through it. And if those, and if it breaks down, then you let it break down and then you pick it up and you carry on. I mean, that's also quite British, isn't it? But No, no. I mean, I feel like that is, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. That is, you just, you're making the next right move right? What's the next right thing for me to do in this moment? And sometimes it is turn the radio on and sometimes it is go back to bed. And then seeing you, God, I mean, there have been some moments, you know, in these past two months where Henry has seen me in such a state, but I've always tried to, you know, when the school has kind of passed, really talk to him about that grief is an extension and an expression of love. Like that's what it is. And don't be frightened by feeling, don't be frightened by pain and sadness. And if he sees it passing, he sees you sort of, he, I guess he sees me allowing it and then it passing and then you kind of coming back to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I was just saying this earlier to a lovely friend of mine, but they should teach, they should teach this in schools. Like they yes. should teach, they should te- teach kids about, we should talk about death. We should talk about grief. We should talk about that it's a moving journey and that it's not this terrifying thing that we don't talk about and we just pray never happens to someone that we love. But it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And I yeah. feel like we should talk about it. 
Nerves, I think I learned. We, I did so many plays at school. And so I was it really, it was in front of an audience so often and learned to turn those nerves into, into like this, into the part of the whole deal, like part of the passion. And I didn't mean that there wasn't sometimes a, a bucket. There's still, when I last did a play, I had a bucket at the side of the stage and I would throw up every night before I'd go on. No. However, <laughs> you do that and then you use, you use all of that stuff like rocket fuel. So it's kind mm. of, it's the cow, you know, which is, I think that's the secret to life is that it's counterintuitive and the things that you think you're frightened of and that are deemed in quotes painful are actually the things that if you, if you, the way that you belly up to them describes what your interaction with them is going to be. And you can use them. You can use those things. And again, I don't think enough people tell you that, like use the things that make you scared, use the things that you would rather discard. Meaning like, are you taking that feeling of nervousness or anxiety and sort of flipping it and making it like, okay, I'm going to use this and feel it as excitement. Like, are you That's changing exactly the narrative? It. Okay. That okay. is exactly it. It was, that was exactly it. It was like, I started to call it something different. Mm. I started to literally call it something different. I am excited. Wow. And that's that whole wow. sort of you, if you, it's you, it, you're right. It becomes your narrative. It's what you say, like what you say, I think will become reality if you say it enough mm-hmm. I think there's some latitude with that because I get scared when I sort of go you know say something terrible I'm like oh no I don't want that to happen <laughs> I think there's I think there's I think there's like a period like grace period yeah <laughs> no I think I just I think that that's the I started calling it something different and it became yeah. something different and then yeah. it was stopped it was it was exciting I loved walking into those rooms and particularly if people were dismissive or underestimated me I really enjoyed making them sit up and listen to tell you the truth. Like when I did a play, so I was like, I was 35 and I'm 51 okay. now. So okay. it was a while back. God, it was so long ago. I can't believe it. But however, I feel, I put it in the category of peaks and troughs, like yeah. stuff like that just won't make me give up. Mm-hmm. Like there is a period of feeling a bit beaten by it. And certainly when you for me, when you, when you don't, when I don't have work or if, when I didn't have work, because now I got a lot of work, but it's even then it was like, you have to hold your course. You just, you have to hold, you have to hold the line, you know, the line between you and your creativity and what it is you want to do. And you can't mm-hmm. zigzag across it following or worrying about whether other people are doing better than you or whether there's something you should be doing. It's like, be where you are and and keep your eye on where it is you want to go. You know? What have you learned about success after all this time? That I have a very different barometer for it than I did when I was mm. much younger, when I was yeah. in my 20s and when I was really, you know, when I was back when I was famous. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, I didn't really mean that. Like it was, I really thought that it was, it was so tied to whether things were, were deemed successful by everybody else. And that is just, that, that just changes. It changes, it changed fundamentally to be in a profession where it's so much about people allowing you to work. You have to get hired by other people. You're processed by an editor, by the composer, by the director, by the producers, by the studio to really just decide to be the arbiter of what you think success is mm-hmm. and allow it to be smaller than you or you know, bigger than yeah. you thought it could be. I mean, my life expanded exponentially after I had Henry. 
Like it really, it really, really did. And the joy in, in, in something other than work was miraculous. I mean, not always. There have been matriarchal societies, but it's sort of fundamentally most of the time been run by the dudes. Yep. If I were a dude and I saw this person who could grow a person inside them, I would be fucking scared. <laughs> I, I would be scared and I would go, that shit is bananas and we got to rein it in. We got to yep. shove that down and we got to, right. we got to be, we got to be the master. Of the because it's, because I think it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. I think that power and I, and women, you know, we agreed because we didn't really have much choice. You know, I think it, it took us, it took us a long time to unwind, to unwind that and to take, to take back that power. I mean, God knows we're still doing it. It's not like it's all, it's not like it's all done. I mean, right. have you seen the Senate? <laughs> right, right. If you're if someone's listening to this and they're they're wanting to understand this better, or they're wanting, let's say, let's just start with the moon cycle, which is a really powerful thing to understand. Would you have any advice for anybody who's listening about where to begin to learn about our connection to nature as women and how this plays out for us? And like, where where do you even begin? Take your shoes off and go and walk outside. Like, go for a walk. Go for right. a walk. If you can find green space, go to a park. Take your shoes off and feel the dirt underneath your feet. Go and jump in the ocean. Go and watch it. Sit and watch a tree. <laughs> Sit and look at that. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash hosting. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, No two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, 
Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas, the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. I always believed in the end of my story, like I, which is so important as, as, an, as anybody. If you're single, you have to believe he or she's yeah. out there. If you're... An entrepreneur, you have to believe. I always knew I was onto something. I just didn't know what that would what that would be. So I was I was always looking for clues. I would go into bookstores and I look at the packaging of the book covers. I go into Whole Foods and I look at what's hot in the beverage section. I was just always aware, thinking like, what will be my idea? And I was, and because I was in that space already, I was a guest on a private plane. Like just on a fluke. And when I walked onto the plane, my partner and I were like, people travel like this? This is nuts. Like, how do, we need to yeah. do this. I want to do this. And that led to the research around how could we do it and this idea of a 25-hour check card where you could get all the benefits of owning your own plane without having to buy a plane. Yeah. And that, that's sort of how it started. So cool. That is how yeah, it's so cool. I would say less about clues and more more about just being aware, like putting myself in in a state of mind where um, I'm like, okay, I don't have my idea. I'm going to have an idea for a business. I just don't know what it is yet. Is a lot different. So you you know you're always like aware. Yeah, of, you're open. Oh wow, that's a cool idea. Like you said to me, how did you think of that idea? Yeah, you're in a different frequency than someone that's going on a nine to five and just like this is my right. life. I can't get out of this. This is what I do. So my internal talk was to myself, I was Albert Einstein. <laughs> you know, like I just didn't have an invention yeah. yet. I used to walk into my office when I was um, um, with my partner. I had nothing. I made $37,000 till I was 27 years old. And I used to walk into my office and I would turn to my partner and be like, we're millionaires. They just haven't paid us yet. Like that's how we yeah. thought. Like we really, like I was convinced myself that something big was on the horizon. So that's what I mean. Like I was in that, that was my frequency in my twenties. Even during the failures and even during the egg on my face and even getting dropped from the label and getting rejected. And that's what I, so, so I was in a trial and error state and, and marquee was something that we tried to work big time and it worked big time. If you were to invest three minutes a day. So there's no way everybody listening here can invest if it's important to them three minutes a day. So if you were to, if you were to send a a DM, an email or a handwritten letter, let's say it took a minute 
for me to send you, hey, Rach, thanks for having me on today. Great to catch up. Love seeing you. I'm a super fan of you. To be on your show is amazing. Thank you. Boom. Takes me 20 seconds. So if I did that for three minutes a day and I sent three texts, DMs, handwritten letters, or emails, over the course of a year, if I'm consistent, that's 1,000 seeds planted. That's 1,000 people you will hit. Now, not everyone's going to buy your product. Not everyone's going to be a customer. But if you plant a thousand seeds, you only need one. You know, one person to yep. change the course of your life, one buyer, one referral. So if you do that one day, nothing's going to happen. If you do that for a year and you cast a thousand seeds, a couple of those will grow to be trees. So I'm very consistent, a part of my business today. And I'm still like, I have an underdog mentality. <laughs> I've built five businesses, five businesses. You're the world's wealthiest yeah. underdog. No, but I have to live like that because that, that I got to stay hungry. Yeah. I got to stay in that zone. Yeah. So I still do this and I do it in the carpool line. I still, you know, boom, I knock out three texts every day picking up my kids. But over the course of time, that that's how you network. It's consistency. Getting me on a sidetrack. There's like 2 million podcasts on in the Apple library. Do you know that 500,000 of them only have one episode of their podcast? A quarter, wow. 25%. If that's the competition that they do one and like, oh my God, I didn't strike gold. The advertisers aren't calling me up and they quit. If that's the state of this country and the world, I like my chances. Yeah. <laughs> All I got to do is do two podcasts and I'm in the top, you know, I'm, I'm basically in the top 75% just because of I want to one extra effort. So like I'm right. insanely consistent. I don't I don't quit off of after one little thing. I mean these aren't like super skills. These are just like No. no uh, yes, so I know. Three it. Minutes I know. A day. It. Take 3 minutes a day and plant those seeds, man. You know, you talked about the handwritten letter and like how unusual it is. I have four kids. If my kids get a handwritten letter, it's like Christmas. They freak out. Yeah. Part of being an entrepreneur or a business person is breaking through the clutter. And we all get emails. We all get bombarded with email, emails, texts, DMs. And a lot of times we don't read them or they get sifted through by an assistant or they go into spam. Have you ever received a letter that you haven't read? You read every letter. Yeah, no, no, no way. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And the universe, for me to send an email takes a second, blah, 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 send to get a stamp, write a, write something, get a stamp, lick the envelope, walk to the mailbox, put it in the mailbox. That's a whole different energy that I'm sending towards our relationship than a one second email. I built my entire career caring the most. I'm dead friggin' serious. I just, marquee jet, like I cared about the customers. I network, I, I don't network to network. I care about the people I send the DMs to. I don't waste time. I don't like say, oh, I have to, who, I have to get a quote of three. There's people I care about. And when I put the effort in through a stamp and a letter and this, they feel that as a recipient and they return that to me, you know? And I've built, you could go through everybody in my phone book and they'll all randomly pick anyone. They'll say the same thing. Yeah. This guy cares, man, about me. And anyone can do that. And they don't teach that in school. You know, they don't teach that. And whoever's listening to this, 
you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be the person that cares the most about whatever it is you do. Whatever you do for a living, you should be known as the person that cares the most because customers feel that. People think of return on investment in dollars or ratings or whatever. Return on investment comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. It's not just money or bottom line. And for me, the return on the investment sometimes is the impact that I have on people. Same with you. I mean, you're in the impact business. It's the impact that I have on people. It's how it makes me feel. See, the one thing everybody listening to this, they listen to your show for a bunch of different reasons. Either they want to get nuggets, they want to get advice, who knows? But the one thing every listener, you and I included, have in common, everybody, the one thing is we want to feel good. We want to feel good. So, I, you know, it makes me feel good. I don't care what the response is. It makes me feel good. So I can't control every book review. I can't control the comments. I can't control this one feels. None of us can. And if you want to be in business, you have to have much thicker skin than that. You know, you have to be able to deal with disappointment, deal with being embarrassed, deal with how, other, what you know, not worry about what other people, and that's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's a reality. But the return on investment and how you feel is what matters most. And, yeah. You know, so you want to do things that make you feel good. This, this, this could be like, this is the million dollars of the interview right here. This is the million dollars right here. Okay. We're ready. We're all ready. I've sold five businesses. I've had a lot of failures, but I've had five businesses that have sold to major companies. The feeling that you get when you sell a company, when the wire hits your account, is the same feeling. It's the same feeling that you get. Remember, we're talking about how you feel, that you get when you finish a race, 29029, 29, the marathon, a 5K, when you walk an old lady across the street, or when you do something that makes you feel good to somebody else, it's the same feeling. Now, you're right. People think, people think you have to wait till you have an event like you sell a company, like my wife sold Spanx or I sold Marquee Jet, to have that feeling. Or you have to climb Mount Everest to get that feeling. When you, when anyone listening realizes that you can get that feeling every day, when you understand that. And you can bottle that feeling of selling a company or climbing Mount Everest every day through things that you do. You won life. You won life. Yes. You won life. You won. Yes. You won like game over. If you wait yes. 10 years for like, oh, if I do this, I'll feel that way. You're waiting to catch up to life as in, instead of just taking life every day. And, and you know, I understand people are in different circumstances financially. I understand people have different opportunities, but I truly believe that anybody can have that feeling because it can, yeah. you can live under your own roof. So I, I really like that to me, that's how I live my life. You talked about building your life resume, but to me, that's the most important thing. It's like that feeling. I don't want to wait once every 20 years to have a monumental event to feel that. And I right. feel like I can right. get that every day. And little things like that, like I feel the same way about picking up litter. Anything you do that makes you feel good about yourself is a win. And people forget that, man. And, or they wait for things to happen to them that like will change their course when it's like things you can do that can change your course. 
And anyone that's going through like a downward spiral or feels stuck or overwhelmed, the easiest stop plug, because if you give that power and momentum, it's hard, as you know, to turn that around. But the easiest stop plug is to do something that makes you feel accomplished or good about yourself. And it could be a little, you know, little thing. So I, I totally get what you're saying about the nail. I actually like that really hits me. I get that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, I mean, we spend so much time focusing on our traditional resume, which is important, but we often neglect what's I think is more important, which is our life resume, which is the experiences we have, the memories we create um, and all that. And I've really invested. I had a financial advisor that came, I've had 50 come trying to get our business. And usually they have the same logo, a different logo on the same kind of brochure, bonds and stocks. And what do you want to do? And a guy came in and he said to me, um, if you had a choice to leave your kids a boatload of money or a boatload of life experiences, what would you rather give them? And obviously I would rather give them life experiences, but I, I'm like, you get me. Like you really get me. The more you experience, the more you can offer the more empathy you have, the more you can share with people, the more interesting you are. You know, people try to build up their traditional resume, Rach, and like to get bigger jobs. But I feel like if you do really cool shit, you become more interesting at work. People, it's when you're selling stuff, they want to know about it. It's contagious. It makes you happier. So like if you didn't do the things you wanted to do because your boyfriend wanted you to go to the opera, I'm making it up, you would resent, yeah. you'd resent your boyfriend. Or, or your husband or your yes. wife or your partner yes. for taking away what you love to do and prioritizing yourself, prioritizing adventure, scheduling that stuff and playing life on offense, like prioritizing what you like to do, I think is, is so, so important. And I think that, that that's been lost in translation. And let me just say one more thing. It all, the whole notion of having a life resume and living and like doing things that make you feel alive and feel and get excited. I could have something on my calendar three months from now that carries me through work because I'm excited about it. It's something to look forward to. It all stems from your relationship with time. And most people, their relationship with time is very different than mine. It's very, I think, very warped. When you think of relationships, you think of them in terms of relationships with people like your kids or your partner, but you don't think of it in terms of your relationship with money. Like that's important. What's your relationship with money and what's your relationship with time? So let me give you an example. Do you have your, do you have your graveyard plot picked out? No. Right. So you think you're going to die though, right? One day? Yes. It's one day. But you don't, you don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, obviously, because if you did, you would have all your significant, your significant others would have your, your passwords for Instagram and social, you'd have your graveyard plot picked out. You'd be organized around that. But you like probably 99.999% of the people listening think there's no way anything like this could happen to me soon. So you, so what that's really telling me and yourself is I got time. I have all the time in the world. And if you don't realize, and I'm not picking on you, that no, at any given moment, you could get diagnosed with something. I'm at that age yeah. now. Or my, you can get hit by a truck. Your circumstances can change. If you don't realize that, you're not operating with true urgency. I'll do it next year. I'll start that this. I'm going to do this in three. And, and then inevitably, Zoom calls, weddings, anniversaries, appointments start to take over your calendar. 
And now you have no time to do the things you wanted to do. So if I were to ask you, Rach, what did you do in 2015, 2018, 2021? You should be able to rattle off. What'd you do eight days ago? You probably couldn't even <laughs> tell me. What'd you do eight days ago? You have no idea. Because like, yeah, no, idea. Us, we, no, we cruise through life in, in our routine. That, that's what makes time seem so fast. And then all of a sudden, the average American is gaining two pounds between 35 and 65. They're 50 pounds overweight. They're 60 years old. They can't do the trip they wanted to do. Time is undefeated. No one's ever beaten time. Yep. The only way you can beat time is, if, is by doing things that time can't take away from you. Time can't take away your book launch. Time can't take away your 29 or 29. Time, time can't take away your trip to Italy if you do it. You know, if yep. you don't do it, time can. Oh, you got sick. Time got me. I'm old. Time got me. It's a very important thing to remember. You got to be a doer. You have to realize like, yeah. man, I don't have the luxury of forever. Well, I feel like if you don't plan it, it won't happen. I also feel like as you get older, creating newness is really hard. Where does newness come from? You live in routine. You have to plan it. So I feel like most of us, and I, I think probably most people listening to this would agree, play life on defense. We wait for people to request, oh, Rachel, will you join us for this Zoom call? Will you come to this charity event? Hey, Rach, can you give me 15 minutes? A good friend wants to pick your brain about being an, a new, new author. Our calendars fill up. Those are other people's requests for our time. We only get 52 weekends and then the whole year is like, we have no time to even do anything we want to do. So I've changed, flipped that model upside down and I get this big calendar. I sell it. It's called yeah, the big ass calendar. Too. But in any event, I'm not plugging it. But in any event, what I do is I map out as much of what I want to do in advance. So once it's on my calendar, I fill in all the other stuff, fills in around what I want to do. This is unbelievable. This is the other million dollar part of the interview. Kevin and I took our kids camping in the winter to Mount Washington. My son was eight, his daughter was eight, and it's snowing, it's freezing, we're in these sleeping bags outside. I said, Kevin, there's 8 billion people in the world. We're the only four people on top of this unbelievable mountain. How often do you do this? There's a police officer. He lights up, he goes, man, every other month since I graduated college, I do something I normally went to done. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, well, instead of watching the football game on Saturday, I'll run a 5K or I'll take my kids fishing or I'll go to a museum or I'll sign up for a cooking class. I'll just do something I would have done. I go, why? He goes, because if you do six of those mini adventures every year and you're 30 and you live to be 70, you'll have 240 mini adventures that you wouldn't have had. I said, that's Kevin. <laughs> no, I said, you're a fucking genius. I said, who can't take one day every other month and do that? I'm not, I'm talking about living a life, creating a life that's bulletproof because you're, you're over indexing in experiences. I don't buy art. I don't buy fancy watches. I invest in experiences and things with the people I love to do them with. I put more on my plate of what I love to do with the people I love to do them with. You know, these experiences that you do, it's a gift to your community because you do this swim with the shark, do the 2902, do these things, and then you share and inspire from what you learn. That doesn't happen sitting in front of a computer screen. Right. 
to me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I just wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for all the dysfunction and negativity and, you know, some of the happy moments as well that I grew up in. Like, it's just, I am wholeheartedly uh, who I am because of those things. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's just really wording, right? It's right. like how you perceive it, how, right. how I could perceive it, how this or that. But it's really is all the same thing. I think our childhoods make us who we are, yeah. whether whether we follow that path or not, whether it's, you know, on purpose and with conviction to do the opposite or do the same if we have had a good upbringing. It's, I don't know. I just, like I said, you know, I, I had a buddy that I grew up with and he came from the better part of Gaithersburg and a three-story house and a dad who worked for the government and a loving mother and never needed anything. And then, you know, he slices some dude's stomach open and his intestines fall on the floor and he's in jail for 14 years. And then he beats the case. And when I was a kid running around with him, you know, he put guns in my hands and we were shooting shit and doing dumb stuff and rapping and all this stuff. And here was this white boy who came from a pleasant place who's now walking around you know, our town with sawed off shotguns under his trench coat. Meanwhile, I came from the place where you think that would have been me. Right. And yet I turned out in many ways, I think at least more so as a human being, just as a person, the way he would have growing up in a three-story house with X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And you think he would turn out the way that I did uh, or, or would have 
since I was raised um, that way in, in my household. Probably like 14, 15 is when I really got started to get into hip hop okay. and, and music in general. It's funny, my whole life, I never could really hear lyrics. I don't know how to explain it. I'd listen, I'd like listen to music, but I wouldn't really hear the lyrics or understand that there was a message or something in it until I started writing myself. Interesting. Yeah. And how how do you even take that on? I mean, also what inspired you to think that you should take that on? It's monkey see, monkey do, you know? Right. I think any great, I mean, how many interviews have you watched? Books have you right. read? You know, it's just like, you kind of try to do your best to be the your favorite person yeah. that you enjoy. Yeah. And then through that, you realize, oh, you know what? I actually wouldn't do it that way. And I would, I prefer to do it this way or, or X, Y, Z. And then that's what makes you unique in turn. So for me, I think it was more so just listening to Tribe Called Quest and Wu-Tang Clan and, you know, so many different amazing artists and in trying to do what they did and find and figure out why they did it and how they did it as well as they did, whether it's enunciation and pronunciation and, you know, just a, a certain level of having vocabulary. I mean, Nas, when he was, even before Illmatic, right? Illmatic came out in 93, I believe. Might've been 92, but I'm pretty sure it was 1993. And so Illmatic comes out and he's using words like cerebral cortex and like all this shit. And he's like from the hood. <laughs> he's from Queensbridge, like selling drugs and all this stuff. People just didn't talk that way. And so that is another thing that inspired me to like check out books from the library on human anatomy and medical terms and all this other shit. So rather than just like, you know, listen to whoever talking about, I got bitches and hoes and fuck yeah, and look at this money and all, whatever. I was like, nah, I also don't have any of that. So like, what can I talk about? Right. Um, so I think that uh, a mixture between my home life, studying what the greats before me had done and just kind of wanting to do something different, like integrate the fact that I'm a nerd and I like sci-fi and anime and all these different things, which I was persecuted for many years for in hip hop. But I think I'm also a big reason uh, of why hip hop has changed. Um, and there are people like me who don't necessarily have to fit a certain uh, stereotype or talk about a certain thing. It's it's like, you know, you have these artists who aren't actually who they are. They, they actually, they truly do fabricate a, a lot of who they are. Not the great ones, yeah. not the realest ones, but the guys who are like, I'm in the hood and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Because they're, they're just like perpetuating a notion that hip hop has to be a certain thing, yeah. which I've always found extremely bullshit. You know, you, if you look at the, at the genre of rap, right? So first and foremost, it was, it was, a uh, it was it was born from something beautiful, kind, you know, people definitely of color trying to spread a message, a message of positivity from uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five to Run DMC to DJ Cool Irk. It was built on something beautiful. Now, when you have guys like NWA and Ice Cube and DMX and anybody who may uh, bring not necessarily what I'd like to call a negative connotation to hip hop by any means, but just a different perspective. If Absolutely. you are from the hood, if you are shooting guns because you never really had a family and you need to survive and you are selling drugs because you can't even get a job for 325 in a McDonald's, like it's just is what it is. And then when they write that in their music, they're telling their truth. But then mm -hmm. you may have other people who didn't necessarily live that life or live that life to that degree or would rather glorify the negativity or blah, 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 then, then, you know, you have this different sect of the music. And once again, that isn't bad. It's just a perspective. Yeah. So you can have the positive, the negative, the nerdy, the, this, all this other, uh, these other things in between. I look at rock and roll and I look, and I love rock. I don't even fucking listen to rap to be honest, because <laughs> I spent so much of my 
life listening to hip hop. Yeah. Like now I just listen to Mac DeMarco and Toro Imwa and the Flaming Lips and, you know, just classic 70s rock and Bob Dylan and yeah. all like that's what I love to listen to. I took to. myself to a Clapton concert the other night. Dope. It was so sick. It was the only time I've gone to a concert by myself and I was just like, wow. Oh my God, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. I just love all music and I appreciate and, and revere hip hop for sure. But the thing that pisses me off about uh, mainstream media and entertainment and how we, what we do with hip hop and what, the reason I say this is talking about the, the idea of clumping what, oh, hip hop is just this, or right. you have uh, certain um, personas that are created in, in like a sense of fallacy, right? That, that isn't necessarily real so that whatever. What I'm saying is you have rock, alt rock, blues rock, grunge rock, this rock, that rock. And if you take a, uh, a genre of music that's even younger than hip hop, like electronic music, right. you have electronic, electro, techno, dubstep, EDM, like all the stuff. And those have various categories and subgenres, especially uh, when it comes to committees and what they're uh, deciding to basically what categories like go in the Grammys or this or that. But with hip hop, that's all you have is hip hop. Interesting. And I never thought about it's bullshit that. Because yeah. then you could have the guy who's on some super thug shit, but he's telling his, his, his truth. And then you could have somebody like Drake who's singing half his songs, which right. isn't bad. Right. And then you could have somebody like myself, Kendrick Lamar, J Cole, like right. super rap shit. Then you can have Travis Scott and Lizzo and so-and-so, yeah. but you put us all in one fucking category. And to Interesting. me, it's, it's bullshit. Is there like something within the industry calling bullshit on that and sort of asking for it Kinda, to be done in a I different think way? They just might have like opened up another thing, but it's just a bunch of racist ass white people. That's what it, <laughs> No, but for real, that's yeah. what it really comes down to. It comes down to urban. I think that they yeah. just got rid of that, that like... That's just that's another word for saying, oh, we're going to put the niggas right here. Mm. And it's just like, what kind of shit is that? Right. It's bullshit. Right. So... For me, it's, it's never been something that I appreciate. You yeah. know what's really funny, too? What? Having this, uh, these opinions and understanding <laughs> a certain side of culture and looking white as fuck. Race was never really a thing. You know, having a black dad and a white mom and looking the way that I look, I was always accepted by people. Like, the internet is such a fake-ass fucking place. Like, it, it doesn't really... Like, life and race relations don't really exist that way in the real world. It's mm -hmm. like, white people rap. Black people are awesome. You yeah. Know, it's just like, it's not really this thing. But yeah, I'd go, I'd sit down and I'd do interviews and they oh, what's it like being a white rapper? What's it like being a white rapper? And then I'd have to explain like, no, well, I'm not, I mean, I am, but I'm I'm also black. I'm yeah. black and white. My dad's black. And then it becomes this whole ar ar argument, not even a conversation. And I'm not the one arguing about how I'm black or how I'm not black or how black are you or how this or how That's that or whatever fucked. the case may be. Yeah, I know it's kind of fucked up, but- I never really gave a shit and I, ne I never focused on it. And, you know, it wasn't until like my third album, which is hundreds of songs that I had released up until this point that I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it on a few songs on this album. And then it was like, oh, all he talks about is being biracial and he's trying to prove himself and X, Y, Z. And I just think it's really funny that you have cats like Kendrick Lamar and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Black Thought and Killer Mike and all these incredible MCs that damn near on every song talk about how they're black. I'm black. I'm black and I'm black. Black is beautiful. It's so beautiful to be black. And I'm like, yeah. And then here I come on this <laughs> on this one record, and I'm like, hey guys, I'm two things at the same time. And everyone's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
So it's a it's but it's because I I am the minority now. I mean, you you can also have uh, people who have been upset and angry, and they say things like, "Well, you don't know what it's like to walk down the street as a black man." To which I can retort, "Well, you don't know what it's like to walk down the street as a black man in a white man's body." But also, at the end of the day, I never came at you. I'm not angry at you for having your experience in life. So why are you so angry at me for having mm. mine? And what that really just comes down to is everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to say something. Everybody wants to fight and argue for whatever fucking reason. And here I. I am the guy who's just yelling peace, love, and positivity. And also, hey, this is my journey. Here's what I went through. And some people want to shoot you down and shout at you and say that it's not right or what's right or what's wrong or this or that. And all I know is I was born into this world by a black man and a white woman who were fucking crackheads and alcoholics. And I made it out to spread a positive message. And if that upsets you, well, why don't you just go fuck yourself? <laughs> I'm doing this film called uh, Protagonist that I wrote. And I'm going to star in it and I'm funding it. I'm paying like $2 million to do this movie and I'm really excited. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, like, am I really making a movie? Like, I can't believe it. It almost doesn't feel like I am because it's not like I'm some dude with a 2007 Canon, like, you know, doing an art class film. Like that this only, is- only, yeah, their yeah, family's going to watch. Exactly. This is like a real th- thing, you know, and being on set with Joseph Gordon-Levitt for his show, Mr. Corman, or, you know, I'm filming this weekend it's just it's crazy but back then when i was essentially doing what i'm doing now in film i felt like i wasn't doing shit i was just a kid in a basement and i was constantly focusing on the future and the next goal and the next thing and the next that and once i really started and i I still make music every day i love music it's amazing but this is the next chapter in my life and i remember one day i was on set Apple original. I have this crazy episode and I'm in it and I don't play some rapper. Like I'm an actor. It's great. And I'm on set like, man, I just wish that. And I started catching myself the same way that I was back in the basement thinking about the future. If I had more fans or if I could go on tour, or if I could just get a record deal or if I could this, da, 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 whatever. And I look back on those times and I don't truly appreciate them because I wasn't as present or in the moment as I possibly could have been because I was so focused on the what ifs or what I want or the desire of or if I could one day get there. And even though I sacrificed my entire 20s and had that exact same mentality every year for the last 15 years with film. I will not do that. And I have not done that. And I am telling myself, dude, you're in the basement right now. You got to enjoy this because you're never going to be here again. Yeah. I believe in mastering your craft and I'm a master musician, right? I don't, I say, I don't say that with ego. I say that with confidence and just fact, like I spent my entire life and sacrificed many years. I didn't go to parties. I didn't drink. I didn't this. I didn't that. In a studio, you know, listening to beats, whatever the case may be. Um, so when I see people and they're like, yeah, I'm an actor, singer, dancer, musician, this, that, that like all these things in their bio on Twitter and they're like 19, I'm like, <laughs> all what right. are you? Uh, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, I, I believe in the 10,000 hour theory. I think as much time as you put into something, you're guaranteed to see that and get that back and get those results. As long as you truly are insane and a crazy person and you make it your whole life. So, you know, for well over a decade, I've been making music and and now I can just, I it's like breathing. So, right. and once again, I don't say that to sound any type of way. It's just, I do what I do and I do it very well. Yeah. And, you know, being at a round table with amazing actors and having my heart beating out of my chest as I'm there for like this table read. Right. That's something that I don't feel when I'm on stage at Madison Square Garden and yeah. it's sold out. I don't yeah. feel that anymore. Yeah. I'm excited to be there. Right. I'm so stoked, but I'm like, yo, let's go. Like, this yeah. is what I do. And so I need something that makes my heart race, you know, and 
that's my family and this these these new endeavors. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.